Good morning and welcome to morning worship in the parish of Casluchur and Gosainen. We're one church, but in ordinary times we meet in three different places. In St Catherine's in Gosainen, in St David's and St Michael's in Lecha. If you're joining us for the first time, we're thrilled that you're with us today. My name is Adrian and I'm the vicar and I want to encourage you to go to our website syncath.org.uk where you'll be able to discover a little bit about what God is up to here and how you can be a part of it. If you'd like to get in touch with us then we'd love to hear from you. During lockdown 11 amazing people of all different ages and stages in life have all been working hard to train as worship leaders. They've included Valmai Fox, Cos and Jill Genko, Rob Hume, Karen and Phil Davis, Ethan Roper, Sarah Fowler, Sonia Brown, Anna Bolt and Claire Morgan. Together, they're going to be joining an already experienced team of worship leaders from across our parish who will be working with the clergy to help people encounter God through real and authentic worship. I'm really pleased that today our service will be led by three of those worship leaders, by Ethan, by Anna and by Moira. Ethan and Anna have just completed the training course, but Moira's a little bit more experienced, having been leading worship in Lecha for quite some time now. So before we begin our service with prayer, I'd just like to hand over to Andrew Knight, who's been leading the training course, to tell us a little bit more about the role of a worship leader. Worship leaders. You may or may not be familiar with the term, but the diocese has had a training course and has been training worship leaders for something over ten years. There's been a group in the Lacha end of the parish for a couple of years, delivering services probably once a month in each church, and now there's a group in St Catherine's who are learning the craft. So what are worship leaders? Well, they're not clergy, and they're not readers, although we have got a reader as well. Worship leaders take part in, or lead, services of the word. If you don't know what that is, you've been having it for some time online. It's a service with reading of scripture, prayers and reflection. And together they devise and present, with the great result and benefit that a congregation see that worship is not a performance, but something in which they are invited to join in. And that's one of the great things about worship leaders. They bring a variety of experience and background and personality. And you simply don't get that with one or two clergy in an area. So, Please do welcome and pray for your worship leaders. They enrich the possibilities of worship and they help us to reach out to our community as local people say something about the gospel and the call of Jesus for us and for those around us. Well, thank you so much to Andrew for that insight into the role of a worship leader and I too want to remind you of that challenge to pray for and to encourage those who are stepping out in faith to lead God's people in worship in Gosainen and in Lecha. You might be listening today thinking, that's something I'd really like to have a go at. Well, please do get in touch with me. 
and begin to think about how you can use your gifts to God's glory and for the service of God's people. It might be that leading worship in this way isn't your gift, but do remember that we all have different gifts which together we can offer to God's glory. So I want to challenge you as we begin this service led by our worship leaders. What's your gift and how can you be making a contribution in one way or another to building up the body of Christ? If God's putting something particularly on your heart, then please do come and talk to me about it. But as we begin to worship this morning, let's pray to God. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true faith, nourish us with all goodness, and by your great mercy keep us in the same, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So let's worship together.
Today's reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 31 to 33 and 44 to 52. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 30 kilograms of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old.
God you are, overcomer, defender of my heart. By your power, oceans open wide, your fire falls down, heaven and earth collide. Thank you so much to Ethan for that incredible song. Moira's already read to us later in the service. Anna's going to lead us in prayer. But now Ethan is going to share a reflection with us on today's reading. So we pray that as he shares, he will be deeply blessed. And we pray too that God will in some way touch our hearts and speak to us too. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. When Jesus gave commandments in the Bible, he was very direct. When the Pharisees in Matthew 22 asked him what the most important commandment was, he gave them a one-sentence answer. When the rich ruler in chapter 19 asked what he must do to be saved, Jesus gave him one simple instruction. A commandment is a call for obedience. However, Jesus is not just a dictator, but a teacher and a father. When he wants to teach us something, he takes his time. When Jesus wanted people to truly understand scripture for themselves, he often used parables. A parable is a metaphorical story that Jesus would tell to convey scripture in a way people could relate to their own lives. In the readings, Jesus is focusing on the kingdom of heaven. Bear in mind that at this time, the main events that built the church as we know it today had not yet happened. Jesus had not yet been crucified. He had not been resurrected, the disciples had no knowledge of the Holy Spirit, and beyond Jesus' close followers, there was no church. So Jesus had to find a way to tell his disciples what the kingdom of heaven would become in a way they would understand at the time. The first parable we're looking at here is that of the mustard seed. This sees a man plant a seed and watch it grow over time to be a mighty tree. Then a woman who needs yeast into a dough until it is baked into a full loaf of bread. Jesus does not pick these analogies at random. He is very deliberate in what he chooses to visualise his point. There were no garden centres or supermarkets in Bible times, and so growing your own garden and baking your own bread was extremely common. 
These were things his audience understood and could visualise as he was speaking to them. Both mustard seeds and yeast are tiny grains to start with, insignificant in their current form, but when planted into their respective environments, they slowly start to take root and spread. With care from the gardener or baker, they are nurtured into an entirely different form, one that has purpose and provides sustenance to other beings. In this way, he wants us to understand the humble beginnings and continual growth of the kingdom of God, or as we call it today, the church. Although the parable itself is very short, um, through the well-understood metaphor, Jesus conveys the timescale and development process of the kingdom of God. Think about the tree. After planting the seed, despite preparing the soil, weeding the patch and watering it daily, there might be no sign of a shoot for weeks or even months. Underneath the soil, though, the seed is spreading roots and creating a foundation to support future growth. But an inexperienced or an impatient gardener might conclude that there is, it's, it's just not working and they're wasting their time. Eventually, though, a small shoot will poke through the soil and there'll be visible evidence that, though small, the seed has become a plant. Over the next few months and years, this shoot will continue to grow through many stages. It might wither when harsh weather comes, it might lose branches, it might grow quickly, it might grow slowly, it might grow sideways. It will lose its leaves in the winter, but regrow them in the summer. It will bear fruit only then to lose it again. But through all of this, the roots that formed in the waiting stage stay strong and keep spreading. Those roots keep feeding the tree, regrowing it when it is cut and stabilising it through strong winds. Even if the tree is burned, the roots can rebuild and repair. Therefore, growth is not linear. Um, there will be fallbacks, but with faith and patience will come growth. Unlike the tree, the yeast not only endures, but actually requires fire to grow. Leaving the dough out to sunbathe will not cause it to rise. It must be put in an oven. An oven in Jesus' time would not have been a discreet gas flame or fan like we have now, uh, but a roaring fire. The dough goes into the fire soft and inedible, but comes out strong, risen, and nutritious. From these two parables, we can grasp that the kingdom of God will start from nothing, the, the, the most tiny, insignificant thing. Um, it will grow gradually over time, and it will be tested. So when you've had a chat with your neighbour about church, and a week later, they still haven't come along to morning worship, don't panic. You've planted a seed. It's taking root. Things are growing under the soil. When you're going through the really hard parts of life, it's not to harm you, it's to develop you. The heat of the oven is not there to destroy your efforts, but to grow them. Plant the seed, water the soil, knead the dough, stoke the fire. Watch what God creates. Can you see how little of this process is to do with our own efforts? It's all God's power, God's miracles, God changing lives. But what happens if you don't plant that first seed, nothing. Without a seed, nothing can grow. Not because God can't do anything without our help, not at all. He created us to have relationship with us. As much as he easily could, he doesn't want to just do life for us. He wants to do life with us. He wants us to step out in faith and obedience with him. So this parable was not only a teaching point, but a call to action for the followers of God. We are the kingdom of God on earth. We are called to plant the seeds. If not us, who? What if you don't feel ready to do the planting? Good. God doesn't use people who have it all together. He chose David, a humble shepherd, the smallest and quietest of eight brothers, to be the greatest king of Israel in history. 
He chose Moses, a man self-confessed to be slow of speech, to confront the Pharaoh of Egypt and free a million Israelites from slavery. He chose Peter, the village idiot and coward of the disciples, to start the global church. Why? Because they humbled themselves before him and knew that they couldn't do it by themselves. They relied on God and he gave them the strength to do his calling. It's only when we come to God in this place of humility that we can truly rely on faith alone. To have faith as small as a mustard seed is not to believe that somehow our tiny efforts will make what we want come to pass, but to count our own ability out of the picture entirely and look solely to God's power to do miracles and change lives. If we bring ourselves before God as mustard seeds, he will make us trees. So it doesn't matter whether we feel like we're still under the soil, or if we're in the budding stage, or if you've had faith like a 20-foot tree for years, God can use you wherever you are, because at the end of the day, it's not about you, it's all about him. Now we come to the treasure and the pearl. This is the next evolution of the kingdom's growth. Um, in the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast, the kingdom was planted and grew to be a tangible object. Now in the parable of the treasure, an outsider is discovering that kingdom for the first time. He finds this jewel, or treasure, of immeasurable beauty and worth, and suddenly nothing else matters. Everything else he had possessed before that became expendable in exchange for this new treasure. After uncovering it, he then buries it again to avoid missing out on owning it for himself. He sells everything he has and buys the field the treasure is sitting in. To join the kingdom of God, to worship God the creator, is worth more than anything in life. When someone grasps that for the first time, trading in everything they had before is not even a sacrifice. There's no comparison. There's no There's no deliberation on this. It's, it's a no-brainer. This is the power of salvation and God's relationship with us. What he is offering is so much more than we could create for ourselves, and it is right to be selfish for ownership of your relationship with God. The man buried the treasure so that no one else would take it from him. So we should put our relationship with God first and be greedy in our pursuit of closeness with him. Now we arrive at part three of the kingdom's journey, the parable of the net. In part one, the kingdom was planted and grew, in part two, the kingdom was found and valued. Now in part three, the kingdom is governed, judged, and sifted. In the parable, a fishing net is let into the water, where it catches many, many fish. All are brought to shore, and the fishermen collect the good fish in baskets. However, some are thrown away as they are not fit for eating. This is the only parable in the readings that Jesus explains with an explicit example. In stark contrast to the previous parables, this is a clear warning. Being a part of the kingdom is a choice, one we have to make. At the end of the age, there will be a judgment day when God will have to separate his followers from his enemies. Those who are not willing to buy the field to keep the treasure will be thrown into a furnace. This time it's not a baking oven, this is a fire meant for the destruction of the wicked. Now, don't be scared by this warning. It is simply to put the other two parable points in balance. We as believers have the free gift of the treasure for eternity. We are promised in Romans 10 verse 9 that if if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To contrast the third parable, John 3.16 says, as I'm sure you know, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to the earth, died for our sins, and planted his kingdom in us so that we can plant more seeds of his love, while we are on this earth. 
Then, when our time com here comes to an end, he promises us eternal life with him in all of the glory of the kingdom. God wants us to accept him as our saviour and to have relationship with him throughout this life and beyond. All he asks is that we come before him humble and willing to bring a little bit of his holy kingdom to the earth. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus, as we come before you now in prayer, we are humbled by your majesty. We thank you for your great love and faithfulness and your powerful and guiding hand in our lives. We know you are present in the little things of life, but that you are a mighty God, the beginning of all good things, the source of love and of freedom, and we thank you that you already know the plans you have for us. You have shown us the way to eternal life, and we pray that the seeds of faith which you have planted within us will grow, even without our awareness. You have given us room to grow in faith and in discipleship, and I want to pray, Lord, that your will be done through us, that your love will be shown throughout the world. Father, I pray that the little mustard seed of faith that you have put within each of us would continue to grow as we know you better. We thank you, God, that you have called us to be part of your kingdom and made us a worker with you. And we trust, God, that you will make what you have started in each and every one of us grow so that our faith can be like that, small, unassuming, but powerful, because even if we only have a little bit of faith, with your help, just like the least of all seeds becomes the greatest of all herbs, even the seemingly small and insignificant things we do can make a big difference in the world. Just as there were twelve disciples that followed Christ, but their numbers grew until it spread throughout the whole world. Heavenly Father, we pray for those we know in need of your healing today. Thank you that we don't have to strive to produce miracles. We just have to learn to trust you and let you plant us into the right circumstances in which our small seed of faith in the quietest prayer will be sufficient for you to work miracles. So I pray for each of us individually that you hear the private prayers of our hearts. Lord God, I pray for church, our parish, our church in Wales and our worldwide church that they will each play their part in building the kingdom of heaven. We especially pray that through you the kingdom will grow and we ask you bless and strengthen our leaders as they support us and prepare us by example to open doors for us to reach out to loved ones, to our communities and even wider afield where we can share your word and change lives. Use the little seed we offer for your purposes, dear Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. We look forward to a day when it will be impossible to count the number of people standing before you in heaven, saved by your grace. We ask for the strength and wisdom we need to endure the difficulties of life, the testing times and the opposition we may face. When we are discouraged, remind us again of this story, this image of growth, so that we can see the bigger picture and the good news that we have salvation in Christ. Help us to see that sometimes when we are feeling buried, we are actually just planted. Lord God, we ask your forgiveness for the mistakes we have made. We surrender our lives to you and pray that we grow more like you every day, loving each other just as you love us. We lift up our world and ourselves to you now at this time of continuing uncertainty, knowing that what we ask in your name you will hear in your mercy. We pray for our leaders, doctors and scientists to be touched by you as they are called to make decisions and take action to keep us safe. This coming week, may we find moments of peace to devote to you, to prayer, to reading your word and to following your example. Help us to recognise those times when you are carrying us, supporting us and leading us and give thanks for them all. We give thanks to you for everything you have given us. Lord, let us now be bold in our faith and the message of hope your kingdom brings. In Jesus' name. Amen. Or can I, on behalf of everyone, say a big thank you to those who've taken part in our service today. To Moira, to Anna and to Ethan, I hope you've been blessed as you listen. And if you listen right to the end of the service today, you'll also hear Martin Bell playing an organ piece on our very own organ from St Catherine's. 
today has really been a team effort. So now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son Jesus Christ our Lord and the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Looking